Okay, so um, the, this, first of all, um, I'm glad Hannah said I'm from Italy so you don't wonder about my accent. And then uh, Pastor Bill really could have given this speech because <laughs> he has written a lot of books too and he's, uh, he's very good at church history. But um, I'm glad to be here. And uh, uh, so the, the title of this talk was uh, uh, Teaching Our Children Church History. And I was thinking of dividing it to three parts. Like, um, uh, first, why I started to write church history, and then why it's important to learn church history, and then uh, how should we study church history. More or less, follow these guidelines. I have a tiny piece of paper here. I don't think you, uh, any, any pastor would ever do this, but... That's all I could come up with. Okay, so anyway, my story, I don't need to even read anything because it's, uh, so, yeah, as Pastor Bill was saying, I was teaching my kids, I was homeschooling, and I saw that there were so many books about scientists, artists, musicians, and, and you know, if you teach your kids, you know, there's lots of really good books out there. And they were not only well done, but they were also, um, they, were, they were dealing with subjects that sometimes we think they might be difficult for kids, like music appreciation, art appreciation, but even, even some about politics. So there's a series about presidents, and, and, and I thought, yeah, kids can understand all this, but... The books for children, biographies for children, they were kind of either fictionalized or they seemed to be just pointing out how people love the Lord, which is a wonderful thing to do in a book. But, you know, I could write probably a book about my pastor, how much he loves the Lord. But I wanted to um, explain why some people in church history have helped us to believe what we believe now. And so introduce some theology through the, um, through, through the biographies. So kind of like quote the theology. Usually what I do, I, I focus on one or two things that one person teaches, a, a very important point of doctrine that has influenced the church throughout the ages. And then I tell the story so you can see that it's not like all these people that I wrote about. It's not like they just sat down. What do I do today? You know, let's, uh, let's write about justification by faith. <laughs> no, it's like they lived. Some of them, the, the, they, whatever they came up with was through controversy. You know, they were, they were persecuted or they were heretics. Uh, they were spreading um, unbiblical views. And because of that, they felt the urgency. So if our kids see that, you know, that, that the context, then they can understand a little better why it's important. And that's actually the hardest thing for me to write, but the, my favorite uh, is to condense the theology, somebody's theology in one paragraph or two. It's very 
difficult, but I, I like it because it's something that I guess I like that kind of challenge. And it's something I can do while I do the dishes or while I drive, because <laughs> it takes a lot of thinking. So, well, driving and thinking might not be the best, but <laughs> doing the dishes is OK. So, so that, that was the idea. And then I asked different people. I, I thought I would start with John Calvin, because it was his 500th anniversary. And um, I asked different publishers. I sent a proposal to different publishers. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story if you go online. And everybody's asking me the same question, so you can hear the whole story of um, how I started. But um, most people said no, and I really did not care because I did not think anybody would say yes. Uh, you know, who am I? You know, I, I've never written a book. So, in fact, one, one publisher said, we don't take uh, proposals from unknown authors. And I just put a smiley face next to it because <laughs> I really didn't care. Um, but some people said yes. Two people said maybe. And Reformation Heritage said yes. And so I just took the yes, and uh, and um, you know the rest is history. <laughs> um, yeah, they did a fantastic job. I didn't expect them to turn the books the way they did. I, in fact, my first book with John Calvin was the pictures are in black and white. If you go see, because another uh, publisher told me no one will publish it in color. So I asked an artist to do things in black and white. But then the Reformation Heritage said, no, we want it in color. <laughs> and they, they did a, an amazing job. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have hoped for anything better. So that's how it started. From my desire of uh, yeah, filling that gap to, to teach our children why, um, why some people in church history are important for us today. That was my, my desire. And uh, I hope I did it. I don't know. But you can tell me when you read the books. So why, why should we even bother to te teach church history? And uh, well, one, many, many of the reasons are similar to why we teach history in general. So um, I see some kids there, you know. Uh, do, do you like history? Any of the kids? You do. Very good. Like, what's your name? Jake. Jake? Jared. Oh, Jerry. So Jerry likes history. And his brother, you're his brother? His brother said maybe. Or a friend. You're a friend. You said maybe, a little. Okay. Anybody else that likes history? Yeah? Okay. So I see some smiles. That means yes. <laughs> so anyway, some people like history just naturally, right? And then some people find it a little less interesting. But I, I wanted to tell you, like, when I was a child, I liked history, but I didn't do so well in school in history. My grade was the equivalent of a C, I guess, just passing, basically. 
And that's because I didn't like to memorize a lot of dates. And, uh, and then it seemed like all the dates I was memorizing were, were about wars. <laughs> there was just one war after the other. And you know, I found it a little bit boring. But then I loved um, reading biographies. And I liked to read books about why people, how people lived in the past. <clears throat> And uh, <clears throat> also, I was born in Italy, so <clears throat> Italy is like a giant museum, right? Because you can go from uh, Roman ruins to medieval castles and uh, um, Baroque, or everything. And it just, I, in my imagination, I was an only child for seven years, and I just, imagined a lot and I was imagining that I was sometimes a princess in a castle or, or I could be a Roman soldier or whatever and uh, imagining all oh, the enemies are coming, what do I do now? And I like that kind of history. So um, history can be fun, <clears throat> but, um, but it, the reason why we should learn history is more than just because it's fun. Um, this morning, actually, I gave a similar speech in a school, and I was asking the kids. They were older than, uh, than Jared. They were teenagers. But I asked them why we should learn history, and one of them gave a very good answer. He said, Cause th so you, we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. So that's... That's a very good answer. Um, some people say, you know, if you don't learn history, you're, you're doomed to repeat it. So, because you, you don't know, you don't know the consequences of what they have done. And also, um, I think it was Pastor Godfrey, um, I mean, Robert Godfrey, that said uh, that if you reinvent the wheel, it, never, it rarely comes around. So when you try to reinvent things that were already uh, discovered or um, examined in history, it's, it's usually a failure. It's better to look back and see what other people have learned already. So that's one reason. Another reason that actually has, has come up, I, I never thought about it, but I learned as I was writing and studying, is to learn about differences. Learn, you know, you probably heard another saying, the past is a foreign country. You heard that, right? The past is a foreign country. They do things differently there. And so it's true, you know. Um, some of you kids, have, have you been to a foreign country before? Any of the kids? You have? Where have you been? <laughs> it doesn't know? It's a mistake. Well, maybe in your dreams. <laughs> yeah. But, yes. I don't know if any of you have been, well, the adults, I'm sure, but... Um, yeah, you go to a foreign country and you realize they do a lot of things differently. But sometimes even state, from state to state in America, you know, some states are completely different. I, I live in San Diego. It's, 
It's different in some ways, not too much, but in some ways, yes, the weather is different. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you look at the past, you, you look at history, and they do things differently. They really, that can really help you to grow. And I'm, maybe the kids are not too interested in, in uh, growing in this sense, but uh, the parents can, can uh, maybe learn something. Because I, I was impressed how um, by, by observing the past and how people lived in the past and what they believed, um, it helped me to grow. Because, for example, I wrote a book about women. It's called uh, Questions Women Asked. And it's about 31 women in history. And by telling their stories, it was almost like they became my friends. And it's not like I agreed with everything they said. And then sometimes they, they even seemed strange, some of their reactions or their, the way they, they acted. But the good thing is that um, I could listen to them through their writings, but I couldn't talk back. That's very important because we're so used to social media. I don't know. We, I say we. I, uh, I'm, I'm used to it. So if you go on social media, there's a lot of bickering. And everybody wants to have an answer right away. You know, somebody says something, somebody answers back. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But with the people in history, you can't answer back. You know, they're dead. So you listen, and if you listen very carefully without answering back, without giving your own judgment, you can learn a lot. And I learned a lot by just doing that. And I think it's really good for kids to learn that. And then it, it, to learn about, you know, to accept differences in the past also will help us to accept differences now in the present. Um, okay, so these are some, some things in history in general. Why learn church history, of all things? Um, I, I really like a cartoon. It's uh, a Peanuts cartoon. I don't know if any of you, comic, uh, comic strip, you know. Um, but it was, I think it was Sally. It was a little girl that was writing an essay, and the title was Church History. And she said, to, to write about church history, you have to start from the beginning. My pastor was born in 1930. <laughs> and I think that's a very common, um, common uh, attitude, not so drastic. You may not start from your pastor. Your pastor here is too young anyway. <laughs> there would be a very short history. But, um, but a lot of people, they, they go, you know, they read the Bible, read the Acts. Some even they're going a little bit into the church fathers, and then whoop, you go to Luther, because the rest there was a lot of mess in the middle, so let's just jump to Luther. He knew everything. And, <laughs> and so they, you go to Luther, and then many times you just jump to the present, or you pick some parts of church history you like. And that's commonly what people do, but, but it's not, um, 
it's not the best way to learn because you, you need to see the whole development of church history. Um, so uh, the, the reasons, like I said, to learn church history are about the same as why we learn history because we didn't just invent how to be a Christian and we, we need to look back and see what other people said about what it means to be a Christian. And you'll find a lot of different things in the past. Like not everybody, because of the emphasis in every time on history, how to be a Christian might have been different. For the first Christians, it was how to be a Christian is to give your life for the faith, because that's what was happening. Then maybe later it was more get away from from materialism of your society and uh, you know living communities or there were just different um, answers to that question what what does it mean to be a Christian but you put them all together and you start thinking you know they they were right in this and they were right in this and you learn from everybody I think I heard from somebody and uh, I forgot who it was, but somebody said it's like a, a an orchestra or you know the church history that different instruments all playing together. We all need each other, so that's one reason. And the other reason is because we are a church family. Like when you when you're in church, I don't know if you kids think that, but do you, sometimes when you're in church, you, you look at people and they feel like they're all your uncles and aunts and, or grandparents, right? You feel older, that you're, you guys are all related even if you're not, right? Do you feel that way sometimes? Just because we're a family, sometimes I feel that way. I'm, I'm in church. And one of my favorite parts is when we have the Lord's Supper, that everybody goes up to take it. I think every church does it different, but in my church, they all have to walk up and then they go like this and I'm sitting and I'm watching my whole family going up <laughs> and, and there's a connection. And if I travel, you know, if I find family here, I find family wherever I go and you find family in, in church history. You look back and they're all our family. And so if you don't like church history, who's the guy that says so-so? <laughs> you said it's so-so, right? You like history, so-so. But do you like to learn about your family, like your grandparents and uh, your great-grandparents? You said yes, no, you like it. So it's, it's the same, you know? You, we are a family, a big family. You just go further back. You go way, way, way back and uh, learn about people that were like us, that believe like us. Um, so that's another one. So yeah, the past is a foreign country, but it's our past, so we need to remember that. And then the other reason why we learn church history is that we can know what we believe and why. And I stole this from White Horsin. <laughs> They always say that, what we believe and why. But, but it's true. It's, we need to know why we believe what we believe. You, know, you go to church and you recite the, the creeds or you know, 
catechism or whatever, and maybe you say, why do I believe this? Do I really believe it? And, and then you look back and you say, oh, yeah, a lot of people have thought about these things and you know, simple things like the Trinity, you know, like we take it for granted, but there was a time when people objected very strongly to the idea because it didn't make sense. A lot of stuff in, in Christianity doesn't make sense, but that's a good thing, thing actually. If it made sense, it wouldn't be um, well, God decided. But um, so anyway, they were saying, you know, why do we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Because the Jesus said to do it, but why? And they had to work through all that um, and uh, come to, to what we believe now. And so if you know that, it, bring, it, ma it makes sense. It makes a lot more sense, and, uh, and it helps you to understand why we believe what we believe. So that's another good reason to learn. Another reason that I found personally is apologetics. And then all you guys don't know what that means, right? Yeah. You, you, you younger people. <laughs> but it just means talking and to, to people about, about what you believe. Um, so sometimes people would say, Especially now, you know, we, we are facing a culture that is becoming less and less Christian. I was just talking to Sarah in the car about Europe. Europe is much more uh, secular than here. And what we both noticed is that not only there's a lot of people who don't believe, but there's a stronger um, opposition, I guess, between... Uh, you know, toward Christianity, like the people who don't believe here, what I found in America, they're generally respectful, generally. In, it, in Italy, and she said it's the same in England, they, um, they think Christians are stupid. They just, they don't have brains, they just follow, you know, something just to make them feel better and uh, and, and they are very open to tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, and so then they bring up things, and they would say, yeah, but you know, Christianity, look at the Crusades, and look at the slavery, and look at this, and look at that. And they can bring up a lot of stuff that Christians did in the past that maybe were not the best. Uh, some of them certainly were not the best. But... Um, but if you study church history, yes, there, for example, slavery, there were Christians that completely misunderstood certain verses in the Bible and they justified the fact that they were considering some races inferior. They thought they found that in the Bible. And that was horrible, yes. And people will tell you and you can say, yes, it's true, but Christians were also the first to fight against slavery. So if you know that, you can come back and say that. And, uh, and, and a lot of other things uh, were like that in church history that Christians, yes, did something very bad, and then also they remedied. And actually, I think it's good when you, when you consider 
the Christians are, are learning from their mistakes and they're changing, it's a good example for our society because in our society, I think many people tend to just either go in one direction, say we, we are right and everybody's wrong or you know, cancel culture or whatever, or you know, just that dismiss people who make mistakes or who, who make wrong choices. And um, we have learned, the church has learned how to work through these things and to, to admit that some things were wrong and to be humble about it and to grow. So I think honesty, if you teach your children church history honestly and you say, yes, this is true, but this is also true, and you explain how the church is growing and learning, it, it would be a good uh, example for them and, uh, and for others. Okay. Um, the main reason, though, to learn church history is that uh, Jesus is preserving his church. And this is something that I try to, when I wrote this book about church history, I, initially I really didn't know how to do it. And I wanted to do it with Pastor Bill way back. There was a publisher that asked, uh, asked me to do it way back. It was 2016, I think. And she said, I won it by 2017 for the, uh, the anniversary you know, the Reformation. And I said, no way. I said, maybe if I work with somebody else, I asked. Pastor Bill, he also said, I think it's a bit too much. Um, and so I said no. But then when I talked to Reformation Heritage about it, I said, somebody was asking them, might not be a bad idea to kind of connect the dots of all my biographies and put them all together. And the Reformation Heritage said, sure, you know, that would be great. And Jay said, no, he's not here. He said, um, you can take all the time you want. I'm just looking at David because he, in, in 2019, he started to say, where's the book? <laughs> or was it maybe even earlier, you know? So he said, I take all the time I want. <laughs> so when he said that, take all the time I want, I said, oh, okay take all the time I want. And I was working, I was writing a blog for um, um, the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. It's a blog that comes out, it used to come out every week, and I kind of slowed down recently. But it was about people in church history. And it's, it's called Cloud of Witnesses. And um, I said, well, I'm doing this for the Alliance, so, while I research, I can keep the research and write the book at the same time. But the reason I'm saying that is because you write about church history, and I, I was thinking, I need something to glue it together, you know, like some kind of a theme throughout church history. And the best theme is that Jesus, Jesus is promised, you know, the, I will, I will keep my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I started with the book with that promise 
And then I ended by showing that, that Jesus has kept that promise because by the end of the book, you see that he has. And that's another thing about honesty because if you read the whole course of church history, you're going to find a lot of things that you are not going to like. You're going to say, why did they do that? You know? And so they were... Christians have been attacked from the outside and from the inside, and, and you know, and they, they hurt themselves by doing really stupid things, and uh, and the church is still here, and we're here today, you know. And uh, I come from Italy, <laughs> but there's people from Ukraine. I met somebody from Ukraine and from Holland and everywhere, and uh, and uh, I wrote books about people in in Africa and China and. The church is still going everywhere in the world. And to me, that's, it just proves that Christ is keeping his promise in spite of us. <laughs> so that's, I think that if you study church history with that in mind, with that idea in mind, it can be so encouraging. Because today you can find a lot of people saying, you know, that the culture is changing, people are hating us and we're going to be persecuted and the church is going to eventually shrink. We're going to be less and less. Look at Europe and then there's less churches there and, and it's going to be the same here and it's the end or whatever, you know? And, uh, but then um, you look at history and it's not true. The, the church went through persecutions and they went through times when they were attacked probably even harder than, than we are now. And uh, uh, like I said, times when they attacked themselves, they did, they did things that were pretty bad and, uh, and it's just still going. So that is very, very encouraging. Um, I don't know if you know there's... Uh, it just, it's not in my script, but <laughs> there's an Italian author that you may not want to write, uh, to read in its entirety, but his name is Boccaccio. He's from the Middle Ages, but he wrote a lot of stuff, and a lot of it was against, it was bringing up the corruption in the church, but he's also rated R, so... Uh, so I wouldn't recommend it for your kids. But he has a very interesting novel. In the, uh, just short stories. He has a lot of short stories. He wrote like a hundred or I forgot. I think it's a hundred short stories. And one of them, there's a story of, uh, whether it's true or not, I don't know, of a Jew that, and a Christian. The Christian was trying to convert the Jew, and then the Jew said, I'm going to go to Rome and see for myself. And the Christian said, that's the end. You're going to Rome, you're going to come back convinced that you should not be a Christian because the church in Rome at that time was really corrupt. And then the Jew went to Rome and came back and said, yes, I think I, I should be a Christian. And <laughs> the Christian said, what? How did, how did you come to that conclusion? He said, because the church in Rome was so corrupt and so terrible that if it can survive, 
the Christianity can survive in spite of that, then it's a work of the Holy Spirit, is it? <laughs> so, it's a funny story, but, uh, but you know, in a way it's true, because Jesus is preserving the church. Okay, so the last thing was how to learn, how to study church history. So, um, one thing I, I already mentioned with honesty, just read it. Don't be afraid of facing bad things in churches. I think sometimes we have been conditioned. When you read the um, history written, for example, in the 1800s, they were like hush hush, you know. Let's not talk about those things. Let's talk about how good all these people were, you know, every, all the problems, throw, throw them away. But don't be afraid to look at the problems because they, they can really, um, they, they help you, like we were saying, they help you to learn from their mistakes. And then they help you to see that the church kept going and that Christ kept the church. So I think our honesty will also impress people if they talk to us about, your, about history and they say, look at the church, what they used to do, you can be honest and say, yeah, I know. I also know this. And just be honest. That we don't have anything to, to hide or fear because we know we're sinners. <laughs> um, and then with humility, like learn from the past. You know, don't think you know. It, it, we have arrived. Some, some people may get the impression that we have arrived as a church. Now we, we got it all worked out where we have our theology correct, you know, especially in Reformed churches. <laughs> and we, we have our liturgy down. We have everything perfect. And this is the way things are going to be. And then you look into the past and, oh, look at these people, what they were doing. What were they thinking? But... No, do it with humility, and I think I learned a lot by doing that and just trying to learn from others, even if you disagree. And then another thing is to be surprised, allow yourself to be surprised, because if you are, allow yourself to be surprised by church history, um, it kind of brings you gratitude, you know, you say, oh, I never knew this. And then you're, you're thankful to God for what he has done in, in spite of the, that, if you disagree, or, or if it's a good thing, what he has done in that sense. Um, and also, allow the past to ask you questions, to question you. Like, when I wrote the book about the church story book, I tried very hard, and I know it's probably not, I didn't succeed completely, um, but I tried to be as, um, I wouldn't say objective, it's very difficult to be objective, but to, not to put my own ideas too much. I think when I got to the Reformation, I kind of lost it a little. <laughs> And too biased. But I tried, I tried. Even for the Reformation, I, I put the, the solas, you know, sola fide, sola gratia. But then next to it, what the church, uh, the Catholic church taught and what Protestant 
thought about the same issue. And I tried really hard to be fair, and I contacted a lot of uh, Roman Catholics that I know. One thing I discovered, many Roman Catholics in Italy didn't know, and they were they're all uh, scholars and everything. They didn't know anything about these issues. I think in America they know more, but in Italy they didn't know. So anyway, and then I, I put questions for your kids, and, and many questions are like, what do you think about this? Who, do you think it was right? Do you think it was wrong? You know, like, and, and on some issues, they were really touchy because uh, I guess it depends on, our on different denominations. I would just say, what does your church do? <laughs> if you have questions, ask your pastor. Because <laughs> I, I just wanted to inspire the kids to think. You know, to think about these things and why do we only do this, you know, in worship? Why do, I don't know what you do, but, you know, some churches sing only songs. Why do we sing only songs? Or why do, why do we not, why do we sing hymns? And uh, you read church history and, and compare it and ask questions and, uh, and uh, um, that could be something that you, if, in your family, you can explore those questions and see what what we you guys believe and why. It, it's really good. It's really good to strengthen your convictions. So yeah, I think that's that was it for why and how. And then the the last thing I just wanted to say is that I also have, I always say have, but it's, anyway, I have, I guess, a podcast. It's not like I have it. I, start, I started a podcast. I should say that. I started. I had the idea for a podcast for kids. So this time I approached the alliance that I was writing a blog for, and I said I would like to, I think it would be a good idea to have a, a podcast for kids hosted by kids. And, um, um, and the Alliance said yes. They told me later they were not sure. <laughs> but they said yes. And so I, um, I found some kids that were really good at, uh, really inquisitive, and that I knew that they would ask really good questions. And so what it is, it's called Kids Talk Church History. And each uh, episode, they talk about one aspect of church history. We started with the early church, and we are in the Middle Ages now. And then they talk a little bit among themselves about this, whatever they know about it. And then they interview scholars. So it's been very interesting. So the kids write questions, and then they ask the scholars these questions. And we've had some really good scholars that um, were able to come down to the kids' level and explain. So I think it's been very interesting. And I, I've learned a lot through that. Um, and I think, and I don't know if it's true, but maybe um, Mina is actually on the podcast. I don't know if she wants to come here and say anything, but um, 
at least Mina, you can tell me if it's true that uh, that uh, I think you guys have learned how to approach church history, have you? <laughs> have you learned something from the podcast? Um, yeah, I've definitely learned a lot. Um, I think something that I've learned is just that, like, it's okay to share your faith with other people and that it can be helpful um, in telling people about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was your favorite episode? Um, who was the last episode that we did? It's always like that for me, too. The last book I write, the last episode is always the favorite, yeah. Yeah, and, um... How long have you been on the podcast? Um, I've been doing the podcast for about one year. Mm-hmm. So. so you have a celebrity here. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about the podcast? Um, you should listen to it. <laughs> you should listen to it. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's up to you. If you want to say more, you can. <laughs>